to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. Like the new music? I hope you do. Yes, sounds different because it is different. It is a new day here at the Weekly Standard, a new day here at the podcast. We're finally officially going daily instead of kind of whenever we felt like it. We have a terrific new sponsor, SaneBox.com. For those of you who are buried in emails, I'm going to tell you about SaneBox.com and how you can get not just two free weeks, but a $25 credit for listening to the Daily Standard podcast. So it truly is a new day here at the Weekly Standard because we have a new editor-in-chief, Steve Hayes. We haven't really talked about the fact that you're in the big chair now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a weird big chair. It's a, it's a strange feeling, but it's ex, it's an exciting time. I mean, we're doing, I think, really interesting things. We've got an owner who's who's behind us and believes in what we're doing. We're, we're adding staff. Um, we're beefing up. I think it's an exciting okay, time. Okay, let's ask the key question. If you're Captain Kirk... Am I Sulu? <laughs> I'm I, not a Trekkie. I, I, I have be, no idea. Oh, this is I have painful. no idea who that's, you are. That's, the, that's just sad. Uh, and so, I have to, if, so if you're Brett Favre, I'm no, on the bench. Antonio Freeman? Got it. I'll, I'll take that. Absolutely. That would be absolutely great. And that is one of the things that people do know about you is that you're a huge Green Bay fan. <laughs> uh, those of us who are Patriots fans, <clears throat> if, you know, we, we admire you so, so much. Uh, but they, I don't know how many people know how you got here to the Weekly Standard. So do you want to talk about you know, the the time they caught you stalking Bill Crystal? Yeah, nagging. No, honestly, it was it was it was uh, it was it was Fred Barnes. Uh, when I learned that the Weekly Standard was uh, going to be created in 1995, I was running something called the Institute on Political Journalism. It was run out of Georgetown University. It's a program of the Fund for American Studies. Great group. I'm still on the board, um, involved with it. But I was sort of the the staff director of that, and Fred was was the face of that group and teaches journalism, ethics, and economics to aspiring journalists, the presumption right. being that they're deficient in both, which <laughs> if you read if you read political reporting today. Um, but I learned that, that they were starting this magazine, and I asked Fred if I could have a job you know, sweeping the floors or right. answering phones or whatever, and the answer was no, they'd already staffed up. And then I would just lob an email or a, a letter or a phone call to Fred every three or four months and say, anything coming up, any right. any chance I can get a job. And he said no to me consistently for three or four years. So I went to, to journalism school. I was studying public policy at Georgetown um, in a master's program, never got the degree. Went to uh, Columbia University's Graduate School mm -hmm. of Journalism for a year and then came back and thought, surely this will be enough to impress Fred Barnes <laughs> to give me the job. And I told Fred and he said, nah, right. that was a waste of time. <laughs> Journalism school. You know, he's Fred. He's per perfect. Perfect response. Uh, so I went and worked for, for Chuck Todd at the Hotline right. National Journal for a year and a half and continued to pester Bill and Fred until finally. I think they just gave me the job to shut me shut up, up in, right. in May of 2001. Well, you know, uh, you're lucky that Fred Barnes didn't have SaneBox. Because if he had, you might never have gotten this job. SaneBox is a fantastic product that helps you dig your way out of that mountain of emails that comes pouring in from people you know, people you love, people you've never heard of, scary websites, and everything in between. SaneBox is this amazingly powerful tool that makes your email work for you again. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like a slave to my own email. Then I finally learned the secret to reaching inbox zero and taking back my email sanity. It's called SaneBox, and I cannot recommend it enough. SaneBox sorts through your email. It moves the trivial stuff into a different folder. So the only messages in your inbox are the ones you actually want to see. 
And in addition to removing all the junk so you can finally find the messages that matter, there's this great feature called the black hole. You move an email into that folder and you'll never hear from that sender again. It is so rewarding. Now, I'm not saying that you should sign up for a Bernie Sanders email list or register at HillaryFor2020.com just so they can send you an email that you can dump into that box. That would be childish and petty, and it feels so good. But I am saying is that because we could all use more organization in our email life, here at the Daily Standard Podcast, we worked out a great deal for all of our listeners. Visit SaneBox.com slash Weekly Standard today. And not only will you get a two-week free trial, they'll throw an extra $25 credit on top of it. You don't have to enter your credit card information unless you decide to buy. So there's really nothing to lose. Get your two-week free trial and a $25 credit by going to SaneBox.com slash Weekly Standard today. So since you've been here, the story that you've covered that you feel like, man, this is why I'm at the Weekly Standard. That's a good question. I mean, I came in May of 2001 thinking that I was going to be spending a lot of time covering Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and almost immediately, I, I did a big story that summer on on Andrew Cuomo's ill-fated gubernatorial campaign and how he had used HUD as effectively a right. slush fund to send money to New York and places that he was going to no. need, need votes. I mean, it was, a, so it was pretty shameless. <laughs> um, and then September 11th happened. Right. And I was here in D.C., and I was scheduled to actually be go to Capitol Hill. I watched the second plane um, hit the tower and uh, eventually made it to the Weekly Standard offices. And the next day, Matt Labash and I were on a train up to New York City, and I managed to sort of accidentally at first talk my way down to the hole at Ground Zero. Mm-hmm. I got to the actually there was a wow. mile perimeter, and sure. I sort of walked down got myself down there and, and covered um, that from sort of that moment on and the broader war on terror, the war in Iraq and all of that. Pretty, pretty compelling stuff to be covering uh, as a as a young reporter. And I've been doing it ever since. Standing there looking at that, did you see your future in the national conversation? Did you say this is what America's going to be talking about? And, and do you remember thinking yeah, about what you wanted to say about it, or what you saw, or do you, what, what did you take back from you? From yeah, it was. Zero? I mean, that's a very good question. Um, I, you know, you, you knew that nothing was going to be the same that day. Everybody right. knew that nothing was going to be the same that day. What I was actually hoping to do was was a straight profile of Hillary Clinton that week. Um, how does somebody who represents a state like New York? respond to something like this right and so i tried my best to to get close to her or to talk mm-hmm. to her or to go to events right. that she was uh attending and never did um so i didn't end up writing that story i ended up filing a a piece for the scrapbook section of the magazine about a protest that was happening blocks away from um ground zero two days, three days after the 9-11 attacks mm-hmm. um, that was basically an anti-American protest that was like, we deserved right. this. And the crazy thing about it is I spent so much time, I'd only been at the magazine for six months, so I wanted to make sure it was a good little scrapbook item. Right. And uh, it never made its way to the editors. So it never ran. We never found it. We never found it. <laughs> oh, it's a so I was, I was up there all people, week people reporting. Forget. Yeah. So how is the Weekly Standard 
different now from the magazine that it was at the height of the global war on terror when neocon was a phrase you heard i mean i remember going to an ice cream shop and they actually had, like they did the funny flavor of the week and there was like a neocon crunch uh. and i how who and i'm thinking to myself i mean i was a goofy talk show host at the time who covered politics i'm like i know what that who else knows who that well right. they did right so how is that how is the weekly stand well, i'm not sure today? people still know know what that means i mean the, the word has been so misused <laughs> right. over the over the it years you misappropriated right. it means you hate it's, trump that's what it means so uh, I, I don't think the magazine is is fundamentally different. I mean, if you look at what Bill Crystal and Fred Barnes and, and John Podhoritz and Richard Starr and, and Chris Caldwell and Andy Ferguson and Matt Labash, I mean, all these all these people who were sort of the, the, the core of the magazine over the years, most of them are still here doing what they've been doing the entire time and still help sort of provide the vision um, for the magazine and, and everything that we do today um you know certainly one of the things that i've wanted to do um since taking this job um, back in december is beef up the reporting side of things mm-hmm. I mean, we should talk about how conservatives respond in the trump era i mean i think one of the things that that we need to do is sort of not not just because donald trump is president but the the proliferation of fake news which mm-hmm. i think there is i mean you sure. and i have talked about that in, in this format before um is sort of double down on facts and and try to find stuff out and do less of the the speculative stuff. Um, right. Let's find out what's happening. Let's explain to people what's happening in a way that that makes sense. And I think you know, luckily we've got an owner who believes in the same vision and has mm-hmm. given us the resources to do that. So we've we've set out about hiring several new employees already. Um, we're going to be hiring more online editor, reporters, um, social media director and others so we're beefing up and we're, we're doubling down on that so like you steve i started as a fan of the weekly standard and then i kind of stumbled into this uh podcast thing but i look at the magazine and the values that it stands for values that i thought were widely shared on the right when i was doing talk radio i thought my listeners believed in individual liberty free markets individual responsibility small government and now you look around and what do you got in american politics all the energy on the left is the big government, European-style socialism, Warren, Bernie, millionaires and billionaires view. And then the energy on the right is, you know, we like our big government too. We just want the stuff to go to different people. We want the stuff to go to our tribe. Then you have the old-fashioned, small L liberal, like, how about small government? And how about limited? Classical liberals, yeah, sure. Yeah, individual liberty. And you saw what happened to them in the healthcare fight. They got their brains beaten out. I is the Weekly Standard the voice for that vision, and is there an audience for that voice? Well, they're this... better. They're better be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Trust me. I, I think, worry about yeah, this. Yeah. Look, I, I think I think we are. And look, you know, people shouldn't think of the Weekly Standard and and the the people who work here as all sharing the same views. I mean, it was right. the case that during the Iraq war, I was strongly in favor of it. The best arguments I had with an anti-war person were with Matt Labash, who's mm-hmm. on the staff here. And That's we would right. send 2,000 word emails <laughs> to each other, maybe or maybe not after a few sure. beers and and <laughs> and have these, you know, th- these huge fights about the Iraq war. Right. Um, you know, we have people on both sides of the gay marriage debate. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there are many different views here. It's not sort of one view. My question is, after the amazing, you know, Reagan got people thinking in a, there was a paradigm shift about what government could and couldn't be. Some people argue that President Obama did that in another direction. I'm not sure that the country really turned with President Obama per se. I don't know. 
But there's definitely an argument made right now that you can talk about your free markets, you can talk about your free speech, but what America really wants is someone on the right-ish who's just going to, you know, kick butt and take names and straighten people out. And Is that the conversation of conservative media today? Yeah, I think to a certain extent that is. I mean, there was an interesting piece by McKay Coppins in The Atlantic um, just within the past few days in which he, he sort of looks at the various ways in which conservatives are or conservatives slash Republicans are, are looking at themselves. And, and one of his breakdowns was, I think it was philosophical versus tribal, people mm-hmm. who sort of believed in smaller government over right. the years. And then the people that, that you're describing right. who are sort of, we're okay with bigger government as long as it's bigger government that's working for us. No question that we would fall on the, the, the former side right. of that. Philosophical conservatives. I mean, the way that I've described it to other people is, it, you know, we, we more or less believed the, in the same principles 20 years ago um, when the magazine was started 21 years ago. And I've little doubt that we'll believe the same basic principles in 21 years from right. now. And we're making arguments based on that set of core principles. And the, the principles themselves don't change depending on who's in the White House. We don't right. make different arguments based on principle because of a particular politician. Right. And you know, different people will, will approach this different ways, but right. we're going we're gonna to be the kind of conservatives that we have been, the kind of conservatives that we expect to be, and we're going to place an emphasis on reporting and facts and logic and reason. So there's a new phrase that people are going to see when they see materials and marketing stuff about the Weekly Standard, that new phrase, Steve Hayes? Unapologetically conservative, fiercely independent. I understand that was your second choice after democracy dies in darkness. <laughs> that, no. Tell me what that phrase means to you as you think about being the editor-in-chief of one of the premier conservative magazines in America. I mean, we don't... We're not going to to apologize or make excuses for our belief in sort of conservatism broadly understood, smaller government, free markets, what have you. Um, and at the same time, we're not going to attach ourselves to any particular politician, whether it's somebody in the House or Senate or governor or somebody in the White House. We're going to do the kinds of reporting on the Trump White House that we would do on on any White House, um, and it will be independent. When he does things well, we'll say that he does things well. I had an editorial in the magazine a couple weeks ago, um, full unqualified praise of Donald Trump and his uh, eagerness to take on the administrative state. In my view, that's something that's decades overdue, and the way that he's gone about doing it, or the way that his team has gone about doing it, Don McGahn and the White House Counsel's Office setting up a team of lawyers to challenge what's happening in the bureaucracies and take back some of the power that um, people have, I think, unintentionally and in many cases unknowingly ceded to Washington, 100% for that. We need to, it needs to happen. It needs to happen in a big way, and it needs to happen now. But when Donald Trump says silly things or things that aren't true, we're going to call him on that too. Um, or when he does things that, that you know, we think aren't consistent with sort of broadly understood conservatism, we're going to challenge him on it. And we'll say this is not, you know, he had, over, over the weekend, or I guess late last week, one of the scholars for Trump, F.H. Buckley, make an argument in the New York Post that Trump really ought to embrace single-payer health care. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't think Trump ought to embrace <laughs> single-payer health care. That's a horrible right. <laughs> idea. And if that's where Trumpism mm-hmm. takes us, I mean, it's not. We're not there sure. yet. But you have people who are Trump, strong Trump right. advocates making those kind of arguments. We won't we won't be making those kind of arguments, and we'll, we'll be making the opposite arguments as strenuously as we possibly can. Let's close with this. 
Uh, we had Little Marco, Lion Ted, now Sleepy Eyes, Chuck Todd. What do you want Donald Trump to make your nickname? What what does Steve Hayes want? Is it Cheesehead Steve Hayes? Boy, he's he's done it um, oh. a few times. He he took some shots at me from the stump. He he wrote he hand um, wrote a a note to me um, on really? a fax. Um, yeah, he sent me. I had criticized him at an event in New Hampshire that was written up in the in the newspaper, and then. Um, Trump sent a fax to Brett Baer, my colleague at Fox, in which he, I think I had said that Trump is a conservative of convenience and makes sort of clown, right. clownish arguments. This is back in February of, or March of 2015. Well, that told out, turned out to totally not be true. Wow. Um, and, and he wrote uh, in this note to me with, with a, a lengthy CV um, that talked about all of his, his accomplishments. Um, I don't I don't remember the exact language, but it was something to the effect of, you know, nobody who fits the description that you gave me could have accomplished all of this. So, wow, so and he's taken some shots from from the stump. But you too. still have a nickname yet. I don't know that I have a nickname now. Well, it's certainly not going to be Captain Kirk. I mean, let's admit that Steve Hayes. I'm very excited to see what the future holds here at the Weekly Standard, and I'm honored to be a part of it. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, we're we're excited about it. We, we think that uh, that we're doing some good things. And by the way, what was that pink thing in my check? I didn't, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> You've been listening to the Daily Standard Podcast, which you can find at our Weekly Standard Podcast website, or you can subscribe to it on iTunes. You can find it at Google Play. Wherever you listen to your podcast, you'll find the Daily Standard there every Monday through Friday. If you have any questions or comments about the podcast, please send them to podcast at weeklystandard.com. Thanks so much for your time. A special thank you to our sponsor, SaneBox.com. I'm your host, Michael Graham.